the final few episodes of SNK are always fan favorites, tune in to my favorite fans for their always insightful commentary. Welcome back to Mrs. King's Chronicles, a podcast for the fans of the television series Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I'm Taya Johnston and I'm joined by my very good friends Lexi Fema and Jen Peterson. We're at that time of the series, the Amanda Light episodes are among us. We put it off as long as we could, but we'll be discussing Mission of Gold. This episode originally debuted on Friday, February 20th, 1987 as the 17th episode. It was also filmed 17 of 22. Dennis Duckwall directed this episode. This is his second and final gig as director of, for the series. You may recall he directed Need to Know earlier in this season. Guess he either didn't care for directing or enjoyed producing much more because he returned to producing for the rest of his career. Aside from producing over 60 SMK episodes, he was associate producer for three episodes of Vegas, seven episodes of Wizards and Warriors, 11 of The Magnificent Seven, and produced 20 episodes of She Spies with Bruce. His last producer role was in 2011 with the TV series Chemistry. Lynn Kelsey wrote this episode along with five other episodes, including season three's The Eyes Have It and season four's Unfinished Business, Any Number Can Play, Promises to Keep, Matter of Choice. She was also the story editor of 15 season three and four episodes in the series. She also wrote two episodes and two teleplays for Murder, She Wrote two episodes of Private Benjamin, and one teleplay for The Paper Chase. We have several guest stars we'll be highlighting, but I wanted to acknowledge that Jordan Christopher has returned to the series as yet another bad guy, this time as Norton Scott, the bastard that shoots Amanda. Our first spotlight is on Henry Jones, who played Barney Dorsey. Mr. Jones was born in August 1912 in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and died in May 1999 in L.A., California. His acting career started in 1939 in Maurice Evans' Hamlet. He served in the Army in World War II. Thank you. According to IMDb, he was a favorite of Alfred Hitchcock. I found at least six shows of Hitchcock's he was in. He won Broadway's 1958 Tony Award for Best Supporting or Featured Actor for Dramatic for Sunrise at Camp Obello. He has a total of 206 acting credits, including Bewitched, The Man from Uncle, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Mod Squad, Gunsmoke, Bonanza, Emergency, Adam 12, The Partridge Family, The Six Million Dollar Man, Barney Miller, Vegas, Fantasy Island, Silver Spoons, Murder She Wrote, and his last acting job was in Picture Windows in 1995. Next up is Peter Jason, who played Brockett. He was born in July 1944 in L.A., California, and has nearly 300 acting credits on IMDb. He's guest starred on shows like Hawaii Five-O, Starsky and Hutch, The Incredible Hulk, Heart to Heart, Silver Spoons, Cagney and Lacey, Cover Up, Riptide, Remington Steel, The Golden Girls, and Quantum Leap. He also lent his voice to several cartoons and video games. He is still actively working and has several projects in pre- and post-production. And finally, Bruce French, who played Dr. Neely, was born in July 1945 in Rhinebeck, Iowa. He has over 150 acting credits, and they include movies like Fletch, Mr. Mom, Jagged Edge, Jurassic Park 3, and Mission Impossible 3. And TV shows like Dallas, Magnum P.I., Family Ties, Benson, Fame, A-Team, Hill Street Blues, 21 Drump Street, Simon & Simon, Cheers, Night Court, Designing Women, Who's the Boss, 90210, Party of Five, three episodes of Alan McBeal, The West Wing, Jag, House, NCIS, 
and 425 episodes of Passions. I think that was a soap opera. Grey's Anatomy and his last acting gig was in 2012 in Up All Night. Apparently he has, he has a look of a doctor because if he played one doctor, I swear to God, he, he played at least a dozen and a half <laughs> doctors in his career. It just kept every single one was like, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so. Anyways, that does it for the guest stars. In this episode, Amanda is shot on her honeymoon and Lee becomes a man on a mission to find the gunman. We're fortunate enough to have two scripts for this episode. The first one is entitled Mystery in a Minor Key. This is written before uh, having to write Kate out of most of it. Uh, The date on this, it's a shooting final from January 9th. 1987 and then we have the second revised shooting final dated January 20th 1987 where it's now uh, titled Mission of Gold so we will go through those obviously the script that has the most differences is Mystery in a Minor Key because it has them actually enjoying most of their honeymoon (laughs) and Amanda doesn't go home with a hole (laughs) in her body that she didn't have before she got there And I wasn't talking because they were having fun on their honeymoon. (laughs) Right. That would have been nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to even touch that one. Okay. (laughs) The episode opens differently in the script for certain. We definitely get the scene between uh, Gus and Barney. It's pretty much intact for the most part uh, for what we see filmed. Where it... It definitely diverges is when we we see Lee and Amanda. In the film version, we actually see them driving down in sunny California in the in in a nice little uh, I think it's a Thunderbird if I'm not mistaken, and 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 you see, you hear them talking. It's all off camera, just all kind of having a little banter. We definitely got screwed on this because we actually got to see Mr. and Mrs. Stetson in bed together. I mean, it was just, it's just yeah. a, a much different feel for sure than what we got. So we, we was robbed guys. We were definitely robbed on this one. Yeah. This would have been like the contender for cutest scene. I feel like <laughs> if it had been filmed, it was really cool. <sighs> Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Mm-hmm. Damn it. So interior, Lee and Amanda's room during the day. Sunlight is beginning to filter in through the drapes as the camera finds Amanda lying in bed on her side, sleeping. From this low angle, she seems to be alone. Her eyes flicker open. She sighs contentedly and stirs. After a beat, Lee appears from behind her back, rolling over to put his arms around her and pull her close. (sighs) (laughs) Lee says, good morning, Mrs. Stetson. She replies, good morning to you, Mr. Stetson. I don't think I'll ever get tired of saying that. And she says, better not. You're stuck with me now. She turns to snuggle against him. Lee says, if this is being stuck, I like it. They kiss. Lee smooths her hair back from her face. Lee says, continuing, having a good time. And she says, mm-hmm. Las Palmas Beach was a great idea. Nice weather. Lots to do. Places to go. She smiles. Although we haven't gone to very many for some reason. <laughs> Uh, we'd better get moving if we're going to meet Barney at noon. You're really going to like the old guy, Amanda. She says, I'm even a little nervous. It's like meeting family. Lee says, he might as well be. While my uncle was traipsing around the world, Barney sat in as backup dad. I spent more time in his mess hall than, I, than in school. He moves to get up, but she holds him back. 
Lee continuing says, it's nearly 10. We've got to shower, get some breakfast. He gives up and falls back. Amanda says, in about an hour, as the newlyweds embrace and kiss. Aw, that cute? So cute. So So robbed. (laughs) So, so robbed, man. We just totally got hosed on that one. Everybody did. Damn it. So instead, wah, wah, wah. (laughs) (laughs) We go to the film version. And as I stated, the beginning uh, between Gus and Barney is uh, pretty pretty similar but the opening actually is beautiful california where we can actually include all this the palm trees that they want they're not mistakes now (laughs) it's okay so they open right on a palm tree uh after you see the the cars going over the bridge and uh this is actually filmed uh on the warner brothers lot we got to see it on our tour i got i went and saw it three times i think once with greg and david Sandra and then once with our group as the tour and then once with my son and I when we went um I think they use this is I'm pretty sure this is where they had Friday the 13th filmed as well if I'm not mistaken I'm pretty sure it's something like that I've been on the tour twice myself yeah I do remember it was like Jason Uh, isn't it like the Jason like the camp or something like it was like a camp yeah something like that yeah it definitely has this is gus's little cabin and barney's his friend gus is a retired mailman and i'm just thankful that nobody put him in a wetsuit that's all i can say (laughs) on all this is that they didn't put gus in a wetsuit thank you can you imagine him in a big yellow wetsuit like he called for oh my gosh wow he kind of was later but not a wet tight wetsuit yeah. When he was when he was hurt later. He has like a Oh right, right, right. Suit. Yeah. But he's not I don't remember him being in a wetsuit. Yeah, I think it's a dry suit actually that he's in. Later. Okay. All right. We can check it out. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. Well, I don't want to check it out, but I guess we have to for <laughs> now that I've mentioned it. Although you could always just edit this out. <laughs> Save us from having to see it. Barney is seems like a, just a very sweet guy. You get that sense right away. I've always liked that actor. He's been in a million different things, but he's like, kind of like, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, just that, that typical old band curmudgeon, you know, like stubborn, like, I don't like it. He goes, nobody asked for your opinion, Barney. <laughs> he's like, well, I don't care. I'm giving it to you anyways. <laughs> There's an argument going on between these two friends and Barney's trying to be the voice of reason telling Gus, like, it's not worth it. Gus is even a more stubborn um, curmudgeon than Barney is, it seems. But he's on a mission. He wants to, and we find out later, obviously, he's got something stuck in his crawl. You know, he, he knows something's wrong about this whole, oh, they found gold, kind of these doubloons and everything. He just knows something's not right with it, but he can't put his finger on it. So he's just like bound and determined to figure it out. And that's obviously ticking off uh, a few people, Brockett and Scott, obviously. But I will say, I mean, I know it's coming up, but it is sort of an ingenious plan. I thought the same thing. If they just would have gotten a little smarter and not gotten, you know, caught on those. It's always the details, you know, Uh it's always the details. Damn. But yeah, I mean, what do you do with a bunch of gold you've stolen and you're trying to sell it or fence it or something? I mean, it's definitely creative. It's pretty. But 
I mean, it's only been a few months since the the heist happened. Like when you go, yeah, wow, I, this is really coincidental. <laughs> I mean, whoever was, uh, I guess, uh, synthesizing the the balloons. I don't know about that. It seems like they could have done a better job. Cause yeah, there should have been signs. I mean, it's probably just some crazy press they were using. But I, yeah, I was kind of impressed with the storyline. Yeah, like, yeah, it was interesting <laughs> for sure. Well, and the original storyline is it's threaded throughout the story here, you know, so the mystery in a minor key is throughout the story. It didn't change. It wasn't like they gutted it and went with something different, but they definitely gutted it on the other end when they took out Amanda. Barney had a lot of the things he had to do, the things that Amanda was going to do and things like that. And obviously we, we lose a lot of the lovey dovey part, which a lot of us crave and enjoy. So that's, that was unfortunate for everybody too. So kind of thought this was funny. Gus says to Barney, Barney, go on, go find your friends, landlubber. (laughs) Barney's like, I told my friends to meet me down at the docks. He gets indignant. I figured I could watch you, watch out for you from there. Let's get going. We're not getting any younger. (laughs) They're kind of fun. We get the voiceovers from Lee and Amanda and, and, uh, you know, saying how going to California was a great idea. And, uh, Amanda says that. And then Lee says getting married was an even better idea. So that was kind of sweet. And then he goes on to explain, as I mentioned in the script, but, uh, in the film version, he does the same spiel of about how he knows Barney, how he was, when he was with his uncle, he would, uh, inevitably be shoved off to Barney to take care of. So he kind of stepped in as a, as a uh, surrogate father for him. So lucky Dennis, man, he got two credits on this one. He got director and producer. That's pretty, uh, pretty cool. So you got to wonder though, I wonder why he only did two. Although Kate only did two too, but, but he never directed again after that either. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think he maybe would have gotten scared off after she bitched him out for, <laughs> So now we're getting, it's kind of like a whirlwind here. Um, we have, we're down at the docks and see, they don't have, if, if he was in a dive suit on this occasion, he's, he's not anymore. Thank God. <laughs> he's just in his old man jeans and that, uh, green, uh, jacket. With his little fisherman hat. But he's he's holding his doubloon that he found. So he went down there and he found this doubloon. And he's like, this is it. I'm going to figure this out now. This is the key. And uh, he's like, get your paws off of it, <laughs> Barney. Like Barney's going to steal it from him or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let's see it. Let's see it. Do you think that was like accidental that they dropped one when they were supposedly bringing it up? Or do you think they put it down there on purpose to sort of like authenticity I make it more authentic sorry because why else why would you have the balloon down there yeah sort of odd yeah and it, it would have to be more than just one that you would put down there because if there's only one down there that just seems a little odd and and it seems less likely that he would have found it yeah well and Scott just seems so greedy that he wouldn't put it down yes there. Just, yes. You know, make it more realistic. So right. I'm thinking, I don't know, I saw it. I, <laughs> yeah. I guess, he, I guess it was an accident. Yeah, it's so funny that guy, he played two bad guys and they were both like pretty, like unscrupulous. You know, he played Ren Shepard in the Triumvirate and, and the guy 
did have a when didn't even blink he you know he he threatened to kill that guy's grandchild for crying out loud you know and now this guy he's just as evil too you know he's he's just he cleans up all the little loose ends except he forgot one minor detail but yeah and it's just like i don't know he and he kills a you know he nearly kills a woman and he doesn't even care he doesn't even blink an eye and then he killed three we find out in a little bit that he killed three security guards during the heist. Yeah. Like, what a that's bastard. That's rather kill than uh, purposely leave a doubloon down there. So Yeah, that's <laughs> it, it is weird. So maybe it's just to say, oh, yeah, see, we it, there are some down there. And, you know, I yeah. I can't imagine one of those is worth that much. I mean, you know, worth so much. No. If you had $38 million, you wouldn't blink an eye at one doubloon. Or a couple doubloons. Maybe, you know? but the the whole like stash of them was in that tray, right? So well, that was no, that was a sample. Uh, oh, how many were there? Well, I think if you look, and we're jumping all over the place here, but when when Lee goes to the bank, that tray is sitting on a bunch of, of crates. I think those crates are where a lot of that gold is. Hmm. Okay, that was just I a sample. She said. Gold rush or whatever in Alaska. And I watched that too. <laughs> Oh, they totally are. I'm not saying they aren't. I'm just saying they have $38 million worth. That's a lot of gold, you know? No, I definitely agree with that. This guy just seems a little like, ooh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, anyway. Yeah, he's a bastard. That's for sure. Weird piece. Mm Mm-hmm. How did he get the one doubloon, you know? But now he has this. Now he can figure out, he can put all the pieces together, he says, you know, is is what he's thinking. So as this is happening, we then see Norton Scott, who is the gentleman we just talked about, the very unscrupulous guy. He's got, uh, I don't even know what kind of gun that is, but it's a big ass gun. (laughs) Huge. Seriously. And he's, I mean, it's, it's like a sharp for a sharpshooter. He's far enough away that he can get away and and you know not be seen and and such but that gun is humongous and apparently is not that great of an aim because he is about to nearly kill amanda it's like a sniper rifle with a silencer on it so it's quite yeah beat there so he's shooting at the old men which i would think they would be kind of an easy target (laughs) (laughs) no offense but you know it just seems like it I don't know. Maybe not. And so just, of course, at that time, Lee and Amanda are pulling up to go have him introduce Amanda, his wife, to his old friend, Barney, who we've never heard of until this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Lee sounds really excited about telling Barney that they're married. Like they both are itching to tell somebody that they're married, which is really sweet. And you would think, I mean, that's just like a natural thing that people get to do, right? But they're getting denied that because they have to keep the secrecy. So, but he's saying he won't say a word. They, he doesn't know any of the same people we know. And if I tell him not to tell him my uncle, he won't kind of thing. So it's kind of a nice little sweet moment. We don't actually, it's again, all this is off camera. And I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a Thunderbird. I, I thought he shot Amanda purpose. Really? Yeah. I don't think so, because I think later he says... Or at least at the car. Like, he was trying to create a distraction or something, is what I thought. You think he was... He does vacate very quickly. What does he gain from that? There's nothing for him to gain from killing an innocent person. He doesn't know that they even know that person. You know what I mean? Well, it just creates a distraction so he can get away. Once he realized, you know, there was a car and, you know, they're running Maybe. That could be. I don't know. But you would think he would... 
it, it would be just as easy for him to cock it a little bit more and kill the one person that he needed to kill, which was that Gus guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I that would have cleaned up though. everything for him. I think yeah. it was just sloppy, honestly. That's my take, but I could be wrong. You could be right. It, it, either one works. Probably. I don't know. I think it was later when he talks about, when they were talking about it, can we talk about it later, I guess, the scene where he's discussing it with, uh, is it Brackett? What's his name? Brackett, um, yeah. Brockett, um, it just made it sound like he kind of did it on purpose, but maybe not. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, not, I don't remember seeing that, but and I definitely didn't see it in the script. No, no, I don't think it explicitly says that he did. I just, it's just a feeling. That was the feeling you got. Okay, they, yeah, I got it as, I got it as they pulled up just at the wrong. They were at the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't think he was like, oh, there's an innocent woman there. I'm gonna shoot her. I don't think I don't get that sense personally. I, I think he was just shooting at the car. Yeah. I mean, he did see someone exit the car because then there was that really terrible body double of her getting out and then they get back in. So he knew someone was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we all have like a different perspective on these things. Yeah, I think it was more of a everything's happening all at once and he was in a rush and it was a sloppy, it was sloppy work. That's what I got. But Hmm, okay. Hmm. Did you think opposite? You thought what Jen thought? I know what what she's saying is new to me, but I could, I could be swayed to that, to that thinking. Yeah. Because he just vacated so quickly after he just left. Like he, he knew he got the shot and then he. Well, I think he got, he, he hit her and then was like, oh shit. And then took Uh, off. That's what, that's my thought on it. But it could be the way it's just as plausible the other way too. Yeah. So what happens is Lee gets out and Amanda gets out to meet Barney, the fake Amanda. And then Barney yells that they're getting shot at and Lee tells Amanda immediately to get back in the car, which as if the windshield is bulletproof or something. I mean, it it just doesn't seem like realistic. Like, I don't think he would say that. He'd say Amanda, get down, like get behind the car. Like she would have gotten the car, but she would have got down. It's weird that she didn't. Yeah. You know, if if, if they're shots. Right. Yeah. Duck. It's just, it, it's all a bit too contrived for me, but okay, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> but she gets back in and then we see a bullet go right to the windshield. I remember seeing the previews for this as a kid and just being like, oh, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, they're going to kill her off. Why are they doing this? You know, again, oh, I was God. like 12 or 13 years old, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, didn't mm-hmm. take much. I also thought they were killing Lee off and the eyes have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just get so absorbed in it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, you think, no, they wouldn't do that. And then you think, but what if they did? You know, because <laughs> you never, like, yeah. who knows? No. Yeah. I mean, they did kill JR, or no, they uh, they killed uh, Bobby Ewing off and then they brought him back. So things, the weird things happen in the 80s, man. <laughs> anyway. They can be creative. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> so the the bullet does go through the windshield and Amanda's hit in the in the chest. And it's weird. It's like I know it all happens so quickly, but you would think that Lee would have checked on her and like opened her door and pulled her down next to him, like to keep her safe. When he because yeah. he was right next he's like re- literally right next to her. There the door is the only thing keeping them apart. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I don't know. I like these kind of angsty stories. Oh, I, I do too, like but... I didn't like how they handled this because of these types of things. It just didn't yeah. feel like... It's not super tight. But yeah. what do we have? Uh, 13 days between 
what we were, what was written and planned for, for them to make a, you know, a, a probably a 180 shift uh, to, oh, Kate's not going to be here. We can't do this. We're going to have to rewrite this. So I guess we got to give them a little, a bit of a break for, you know, that they had 13 days to, to figure all this out and rewrite the damn thing. So, but sad because now no honeymoon. <laughs> All the fun yeah. things that were planned are all out the window now. Yeah. Lee's got the guys in the behind the car. They're all hiding behind the car and poor Amanda's getting shot in the front. It's like, guys, hello. Mm-hmm. But he goes in the front to check and opens the door and we see Amanda um, and she's been shot. And then he's like, oh, my God. And then all of a sudden we're back. Now we're at this little tiny hospital in this little, you know, sleepy town. And Lee and Barney are in the waiting room. And then the nurse comes out and doesn't give him much hope. She's like, Mr. Stetson, (laughs) devoid of all emotion. And he's like, how is she? And she's like, Dr. Lee wants to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you're not there to give good news. My goodness. People are hurting here. Trying to be a little. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't expect her to go. Hi. But I mean, she could be like, you know, she's still alive, at least, you know, give him that much for crying out loud. Yeah. But uh, Lee's going to Amanda's, you know, toward Amanda's room and Dr. Neely's coming out and uh, he's got that stupid, what is it? Members only jacket look on. I hate those things. (laughs) (laughs) They're in California. Why should they have to have jackets on for crying out loud? It's like white with pockets too. I don't know. Yeah. So Dr. Neely's there and he said, we still have a long way to go. He's like, she's going to be all right, isn't she? And he says, the next 48 hours will be crucial. They always say that. Like if, if she makes it through the next 48 hours, she should be good. It's like <laughs> their way of like giving you a little hope, I guess, but it doesn't seem like him very much hope. And he says, it's a miracle she's alive. The bullet went through her chest. A fraction of an inch, either way, she wouldn't have made it. And then Lee's saying, when can I see her? And he says, it's going to take a while. This is what I don't like. And this is, I know I, I hate, I hate this episode for so many reasons, but I really hate it because if my wife, regardless of how long I'd been married to her or my husband, obviously, but if they were shot, I would not leave that freaking hospital at all. I don't care if I had to do I don't care, whatever. I would not leave that hospital. You would not, I would not leave the hospital. It'd be so hard to do that. I, because something could happen while you're gone. Oh my God. And then you would never forgive yourself because you weren't there. Not that you would be able to stop any of it, but you weren't there. Oh my God. Just this one just drives me crazy. And I know there wouldn't be much of a show of him just sitting there watching, waiting for, but I hate 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 this because this is not like how he would do it and I know he's a man of action but he also loves her beyond anything and he would not leave her I just I I just I can't get those two to kind of balance out it just I, I know the doctor sets this up so that he can he like he's being shoved out and he has to go but like no he wouldn't leave I, I just I have a hard I, this is a hard one for me to swallow He's like, there's nothing here for you to do. Get some rest. He goes, please, Mr. Stetson. And he's like, all right. No, he wouldn't say that. There is no way he would say that. The thing is, too, is like he knows someone should be there. That's why he calls Dottie. Like he know, like that, that's the thing. Like the writers are acknowledging like someone needs to be there. Yeah. Like Amanda was shot. 
It should be legal. Yeah, because what if be some, what if they have to have <laughs> surgery? Who are they going to get to sign off on it? Or you know what I mean? Like that, it just it makes no sense to me. I hate I hate this part of it. I it's I have a major hang up on this one. Now they could have start um, introduced COVID. <laughs> no be a way ahead of their time i just i don't know i i just find this one really hard to believe oh one one nice thing in the script uh lee was you know saying to amanda you sure you don't you don't mind if i we tell him and she's like of course not you know he doesn't know anybody we know he's got uh, not going to say anything to your uncle if you ask him not to. And I'm dying to tell somebody, aren't you? And he says, Lee, yeah. Besides, Barney's special. I'm damn near his kid. She goes, you want him to be proud of you? He goes, something like that. And then when they actually get introduced, because obviously there's no shooting in the fun script one that we have, uh, they're interrupted as Barney opens the door. They ad-lib happy greetings. Lee and Barney embrace. Lee says, continuing, hi, Sarge, this is Amanda. And she says, hi, Barney, I've heard a lot about you. And Barney looks to Lee and says, I've heard a few things about you, too. Come on in, kids. And then they come in. And this is kind of a cute little moment, too. <laughs> Lexi read the scripture. So she's like, oh, <laughs> That's cute. so Barney shuts the door, then turns to Lee and Amanda and says, you didn't eat breakfast, did you? And Lee and Amanda share a look. In fact, they didn't. Uh, no, we just had, we just had time for a shower. Barney nods knowingly. <laughs> How's flapjacks and biscuits and French toast sound? A beat. I didn't know what you'd want. And Amanda says, it all sounds just great. Barney leads them into the room and Barney says, are we done with the small talk? Lee shrugs. He goes, good. What's this big surprise you wrote to me about? And Lee and Amanda exchange a look of anticipation. We have something to tell you. He goes, oh yeah, let's see. Down on vacation together no breakfast you got married and amanda surprise says how'd you know and barney says barney takes their left hands and holds them up to display their wedding rings barney says dead giveaway he smiles congratulations i had a feeling the first time lee wrote me about you amanda that you'd be the one to make this scamp settle down and amanda says thanks barney it wasn't easy barney motions them to a table set for breakfast with coffee cups syrup bottle butter etc okay i'm hungry now (laughs) Uh, Barney says makes it more fun Barney shows them to their seats and begins uh, uncovering plates of food at the table Barney says what do you think of Las Palmas Beach and Lee says very nice what we've seen of it he goes what you've seen is it just a fly speck on the map it's got the best of California ocean mountains and the racetracks 10 minutes up the road and then Lee says seems to agree with people when we drove past the beach we must have seen a dozen folks with metal detectors and then he goes on to explain Gus and how they just recently found all that gold and again those little moments between you know like the little knowing look of yeah we didn't have time for breakfast this morning because we were getting frisky it's just kind of sweet those are the things that we we don't get to enjoy unfortunately in the film version this is how Barney gets them into the the story uh and and to help you know his friend out so I have a question for you guys did you think that Barney knew that Lee is an agent because I don't think yeah. he did oh I thought so but because when he was talking I didn't think about it either <laughs> when he was talking to <laughs> yeah. Billy on the phone he kind of lowered his voice and then later when him and Barney get caught he kind of 
doesn't want to show his badge, but he he needs to because the cop's going to think ill of them and take him and arrest him or something. What'd you think, Lex? Are you, you're saying in that scene, you didn't think Barney knew? I thought, I see what you're saying, because Lee was reluctant to show it. Mm-hmm. And when he was talking to Billy, he lowered his voice so that Barney wouldn't hear him. I So I thought, I thought that Barney knew, but maybe I was influenced by the script. Um, on page 10 and 11, Barney says, I told him he made films for the government. Dad did it. So I interpreted it that he knew he didn't make film for the government. But I think I'm reading into it now because I was thinking that Barney knew. Why wouldn't Barney know? He's, he's, he's like a second dad to Lee. Well, it's not something you tell everybody, though. The whole thing is, you know, he's a spy. He's a secret agent. And the secret part is that you don't tell people. So, you know. I thought he didn't show his badge. If he can tell Barney, why the hell can't Amanda tell her mother? Well, I feel like Barney is in a little bit of a different class than Dottie was. Well, that's her mom, though. He's dad as gossip fodder, and and Barney talks to freaking Gus, the retired mailman. But her her mom mom knew all about it with Harry Beaumont, Barringer, whatever. And, you know, she never said anything about that. She never told anybody about the Stemwinder incident. You know what I mean? So, you know, I I still think that it was just a flimsy excuse and they needed some element of mystery for it. It was just not well thought out, this damn mystery marriage. But you see what I'm saying? Like, if Barney knows, well, then... I think Dottie it's definitely should know. Or like fun or more spicy, you know, for Lee and Amanda to keep it secret. It's just like another element. And, you well, know, they're worried about her family. And I, I agree. It's flimsy. All so of it's flimsy. Going, to, you're going to your exhibit A, page 10 and 11, mm-hmm. he says... Barney says, I told him you made films for the government. That did it. He goes, did what? He goes, I'm hoping he'll think you're official. He is official. If he knew he was a spy, he would, he'd be more like, oh, he's with the government, the federal government. He'd tell his, his he'd tell I Gus see. that he's, he is official. I took, I, I took that different because I, I was thinking that he did know. And he's saying, I'm hoping that like, this is enough to think that you're official. Like, you know, that, that you do this. But maybe I'm inferring because I was just already, I was already thinking that Barney knew. I didn't think that he wouldn't have known. It's so interesting. I always go the opposite of what you guys think. I have a feeling in this you're probably a little more accurate because this is just in my brain. Like, I know the information. Why wouldn't Barney? You know? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Oh, God. I guess I thought he knew because of the military background Barney has and that yeah. he would just know and he's far enough away from his life that it doesn't really matter that he knows. I, I don't think he was showing the badge and stuff because he was trying to keep things low key. I, um, I can get all that, he, but then why whisper to to Billy? I, I'll have to watch that scene again. I thought he was just trying to keep it down in general, but... No, he was in... He was in he was in Barney's apartment and he's like whispering and looking over at Barney, like, you know, cause Barney's over here getting coffee or something. And he's like, uh, you know, and starts talking. So I, I don't know those, those couple things. I just, I feel like I could make the argument. He didn't know. Hmm. I can be persuaded that argument. I can be persuaded pretty easily. Well, well you're a waffle tonight, aren't you? You're like a waffle. <laughs> Little oh, waffles gosh. and butter and syrup. <laughs> To all this talk of breakfast foods now. Yeah. In the script, after Barney and Amanda and Lee have breakfast, he takes them over to see Gus. And then Gus proceeds to tell them his story. And there's a parrot 
Well, it's a bird. Did the, it was it a parrot? Uh, I think it's a parrot. It looks like a parrot. Yeah, it talks, so it must. It, yeah, it must. Be. Yeah, Gus's parrot, okay. Jean Labique. Thanks. Okay. Of course, he's, he's like hunting for pirate gold, so he's got to have a parrot. Of course. Yeah. At least he didn't have him on his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> that would have yeah. been a little too on the nose. <laughs> Uh, Gus has uh, a, a parrot named Jean Labique. <laughs> That's cute. And yeah. uh, Lee doesn't like this bird. <laughs> I don't blame him. He's kind of spicy. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely spicy. He comes in. They come in and, and Jean Labique says, pieces of eight. Avast, you scurvy dogs. <laughs> and Gus says, quiet, Jean Labique. And then when later uh, Lee... He says, <laughs> oh, this is funny. They're like, Amanda's telling them the information and Barney's saying, uh, I told him it would happen to Gus. Damn it. Even regular people get edgy sitting on a fortune in Spanish gold. And Gus says, ain't Spanish. To Lee and Amanda says, did you bring your cameras? And Amanda goes, well, no. And Gus says to Barney, why didn't you tell them to bring their cameras? And Barney says, they're on their honeymoon for pity's sake. And then Sean Labique says, yo, ho, ho, bring on the rum. <laughs> and then Barney says, quiet, Jean Labique. Lee says, Gus, I'm Lee Stetson, and this is my wife, Amanda, which I love that he got to tell somebody that. That's so sweet. Yeah. It's true. We're not traveling with a film crew. And Barney says, but they're dying to hear your story. And Lee says, well, <laughs> like, don't put it on too thick there, buddy. And Gus eyes them suspiciously for a moment, then grabs his cap and motions them for the to the door. Gus says, let's go get some drinks. You're not going to believe me sober. And they exit. <laughs> yeah. Lee, Lee laughs. As he passes the parrot's cage, John Labique says, ahoy, matey, heave too. And then Lee says, put a sock in it, bird. <laughs> <laughs> I can just, you, you, you know that Lee's never going to like that bird. <laughs> the bird will play in, <laughs> will play a part later as well, <laughs> which is kind of funny. What's Am I missing something? What's the deal with the title of the the script? Mystery in a Minor Key. I have no idea. I was hoping you knew, but Mishnah Gold is way better. That was a solid uh, deviation from the original. I'm trying to think. There's there's not anything in there that would, would tie together. No. Originally, I was thinking, because I wasn't thinking it was in California. I was thinking like the Florida Key, so because it's like a small area. Oh, yeah, yeah. An island. No, that, because it was so, supposed to be Las Palmas beach the whole time so yeah well i am reading that the minor key sounds different than the major key and have different tones and such so maybe they're saying that because this is sort of a farce in a way with gold that it's a minor key i don't know that's a stretch but maybe i have no idea yeah it just i was thinking you know like oh the bird sings some song or something but he really doesn't right yeah maybe we're missing something I'm sure, obvious I'm sure i don't know to do with minor key and, like you know background in, in music but i don't know yeah so getting back to the film version lee begrudgingly leaves the hospital i just i don't know i just i have a hard time with that swallowing that one i roll and he says uh he tells barney that it's touch and go and then barney introduces him to sheriff waterhouse and then he says i've got what i could he needs your statement he goes, it's not urgent, Mr. Stetson. Barney says, you're staying with him. And then he shakes his head. Then Lee goes over, kind of looks just numb, you know, at this point. Uh, and he has to make uh, the dreaded phone call to Dottie. 
poor thing. Can you imagine just getting that out of the blue? Nope. And man, all these lies he's got to tell. I mean. Just come clean. I know. Exactly. He's got to tell one lie to Billy and Francine that he, his, a man, that Dottie called him and he flew out right away. But Billy's got to know that's a lie after the last episode. That, like, that's (laughs) the worst one because he knows they're going to get, he knows Billy and Francine are going to pull that police report and they're going to find out that he was on the scene when it happened. And it'll probably mention that it's his wife. You know, I mean, like, I don't. What's the point of lying like that? I don't understand that. It makes no sense to me. And if he truly wanted to find who did it, he would have taken Billy up on the offer for some assistance. I feel like even though that's atypical, it would have allowed him to sit at the hospital and be with her. And even though he would have wanted to do it, this whole episode is dumb. I know. It's frustrating (laughs) me. I don't. I don't. The concept uh. of it, I love it. I feel like this would have had uh, potential to be like one of my favorites. Like this would have been so cool. But the rewrite, I know that they have limited time to work with it, but it's yeah. just like plot hole after plot hole. It's just yeah. frustrating. It's one of it's many that we're going to be. Man. It's one of six that we're going to really hate, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Just because Kate didn't have time to do it at one over like she usually does and say, nope, this character would do this. Nope. Well, yeah. I think she had so much on her plate at that time. I don't think she really... You know, when something like that happens, you know, you, it puts things in perspective. You know that. You think, oh, this show doesn't mean anything in comparison to, you know, my health. And you know what I mean? So maybe that's why. Because, yeah, you're right. Nor- prior to this, she would have, I would imagine, put her foot down on things and said, no, we're not, we're not cheaping out on this. I don't know. Maybe she just wasn't in that right headspace at the time. And she probably wasn't even on set to make, like, yeah. on the spot changes and mm-hmm. stuff, too. Yep. I I get the feeling that the crew probably loved this because they got to, to, you know, to to kind of run with things on their own. But it's lackluster without her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a reason that she's the star of the show. Absolutely. Nothing against Bruce at all. You know, it's just but I don't know. And maybe people that didn't care for her but loved him were like happy that she wasn't in that. I don't know. I haven't found anybody in the fandom that likes any of these. Well, I'm sure we'll hear from people if if that's. A I don't see how they could because, like, as much as we love Lee, we love the Lee that Amanda helps him become. We don't love like the original. Yeah. We we, at least in my opinion, okay, I can't speak for everyone, yeah. right? But season one Lee is very different from yeah from later season. He's Lee, sexy, but he's an ass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know, but there's that hope, like you know, it's coming. Yes. Like, he, you you and you can see it from the beginning, like this. Lady he has, he had potential. Yeah. He was a diamond in the rough, for yes. sure. Oh, so much potential, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's why it's a little disappointing because if, I, I feel like it could have gone in another direction where he really could have been more emotional and, I don't know, more tied to the situ- with, situation with her to kind of show you know, his full emotional investment in that. And, you know, they could have stimulated a story out of it, but instead they focused on the solving the mystery part. And right. And, and so then it just comes off as, as superficial, like the whole thing's superficial. And so I feel like it was a chance for that character to do more here, but someone would have had to have written it that way. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I mean, it that way. they play what they're given, but it's just, yeah, it, it's disappointing for sure. Especially we know what could have been. Not that this is my favorite script, like the, you know, the one, the minor key one, but it's, 
a night and day difference compared to what we get for sure. Yeah. But they also probably would have had time to tighten this this particular script up between now and from when they wrote it to when they filmed it too. But then they had to scrap it and go in a completely different direction. So maybe that's why I don't love it as much as it, it had more potential, I think, than it, it we actually got to see. Yeah. So Lee's still on the phone here with Dottie. He's on hold right now while we were talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he has to smile despite himself because, you know, it's it's Dottie and she's all excited probably to hear from him. And she must have asked, how are you? And he says, well, I'm afraid not so good right now. Not doing so well right now. And then he tells her, it's, it's Amanda, there's been an accident. That's sad. And now we're back down at the marina and uh, we see Norton Scott there. And he does not have any remorse. I mean, if I accidentally shot somebody, I would feel horrible. And this guy's just like, eh, whatever. Sucks to be her. Yeah. Shouldn't have been there. This is a conversation where I feel like he could have said something like, you know, it was an accident or something. But instead, he's just like, I did it. I I had to do it. You know, and yeah. that's why I kind of had that impression that he did it on purpose. But well, let's see. Let's just see what. cocky and let's, let's see what the. The eternal metal, he says, you can't tell if this gold was minted 200 years ago or two weeks ago. Chemically impossible. Forget about the gold. You shot a woman, Scott, a tourist. And he goes, some poor damn unlucky tourist. Why? He goes, so I could give you a 20% of 38 million. He goes, I want to know what you got me into. If she dies, he goes, she won't be the first. He goes, I didn't think I'd have to tell you, but the federal gold reserve, three guards dead. My partner's doing life. He's got a million on my head. It's the Harper's Ferry heist. And the guy realizes. He goes, June. He goes, biggest in, in U.S. history. He goes, you came to me in April with some cute plan to raise some phony treasure. You knew about it then. He goes, you can't fence $38 million, not in federal gold. Makes it hotter than a match end. So it really, he really doesn't say, he doesn't even acknowledge that he shot her. You ruined a perfectly good episode, dude. Right. <laughs> It all comes down to him. <laughs> <laughs> the idea, their their potentially good idea they had, like ingenious idea, not good, but ingenious idea they had was, hey, let's get, we'll steal all this gold and then we'll, we'll make it look like old doubloons and nobody will be the wiser and we can fence it and, you know, we'll be good. They'll, they'll even make more than by selling it to, to like collectors like that, they're, they'll make even more than what the gold is actually worth. You know, a lot of those coins are like, you know, you have a, a dollar, fancy dollar, and it's worth 20 times what it really is or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is true, though. You probably don't have to work very hard to counterfeit it. Just sort of bang around on the yeah. gold, like some bird from back in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Not you just have to have a cast. You just have to have, have to have the right cast for it, right? Yeah. Uh, hand struck, easy to counterfeit. The state has already authenticated the entire lot in is 18th century. Idiot. He goes, p- collectors will pay a premium. <laughs> Suckers? Seriously? Suckers? <laughs> Who did that? Lexi had to have been. <laughs> Suckers? And uh, he's saying, even with the state taking a big bite of it, you know, through taxes, which I just had that happen the other day. That sucked. Uncle Sam. That's why the state's like uh, saying this is valid gold because they're like, yeah. Yeah, they want their their piece of money. (laughs) (laughs) Heck yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure, it came from 
Uh, the balloons. Yeah, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Sure it did. So they're willing, it's so much that they're willing to have the state take uh, take their chunk out of the taxes you know it's so much money I mean you don't need 38 million dollars I mean I would I would totally take it in if anybody's out there listening and wants to give it to me but you know but when it's hot and you can't get rid of it any other way yeah a little bit of a yeah uh, to get rid of it legitimately so you can enjoy the funds Mm mm-hmm exactly whoever gave him those glasses it really makes him extra evil (laughs) <laughs> doesn't it those dark glasses it totally makes him just extra baddie to me yeah after scott and brockett talk it's more scott just talking at brockett but then we're back at the agency and billy and francine are being told uh by lee that uh he flew out the minute he heard okay why lie to them like this why lie they already were telling you know making jokes about their trip uh trips you know kind of thing they already know so and they're gonna find out when they pull that report you know they're gonna pull their report they're friends with her they want to know what happened so it doesn't make uh, that part i just don't understand why lie straight to their face well through the phone great question i do like her silk shirt I just, she looks pretty. Yeah, the color is nice and her hair looks like just more um, relaxed. You know, mm-hmm. it's not soft. super, yeah, mm-hmm. soft and, and relaxed. I like that. Yeah. Did you notice behind me when he's talking to Barney or well, when he's talking to Bill and Francine in Barney's kitchen, there's a Rubik's Cube yeah. under the phone that yes. definitely needs to be solved right now. I'm going to snatch it up and solve it. <laughs> Are you good at solving those? I used to be. I haven't oh, wow. in a long time, but yeah. That's cool. Wow. I thought that was sort of odd, but okay. Yeah, that is, that is odd. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that, that tile on the counter. All I can think of is all the crumbs and the food and everything that gets in there. It's so nasty. It's so dirty. It's kind of down by the wayside now. Yeah. But back in the day, that was the. I know it was the, it it definitely was. Mm -hmm. But why would you think, oh, let's put grout on a countertop. That's so smart. Everything gets in there. Yeah. At least kind of filling in Billy and Francine and saying that uh, Mrs. West was very upset, obviously. He goes, I can have a truckload of agents there to help you, which doesn't seem like that would be, I mean, can they, don't they have a jurisdiction or no? I guess not. They're federal, right? So they can go. I guess they can go anywhere. Yeah, that's true. And he says, no, no, thanks. Thanks for the offer, Billy. But, um, and then this is where, okay, right there. This is at 8.48. He looks over at Barney and knows and notices that he's walking away. And then he kind of whispers into the phone and says, listen, Las Palmas is a very small town. I think it might be easier if we open this up quietly. And he kind of, then he even kind of, uh, his eyes dart over to Barney to make sure he's not listening. This is, this is my um, exhibit A. <laughs> okay. That, on, that Barney go. doesn't know that he's an agent. Billy says, okay, you're there. You call the shots. And it's sweet. Francine then goes, Lee, she's strong. She'll be fine. And he goes, you bet she is. Keep your fingers crossed, huh? I thought he was just like looking at Barney because Barney was staring at him. And like you look at people when they stare at you and then Barney was going to get his tea or whatever. Oh, no way. No way. In my mind, I can't think of why Barney wouldn't know like that his alleged favorite nephew slash surrogate son did for a career and he's a military guy i forgot about that yeah but he's retired 
and it's top secret stuff. I mean, I, I, I am, I'm going to hold strong on this one. Everyone knows that Lee is a freaking agent at this point. I know that they don't, but that's what it feels like. He's always flashing his badge around and like it's in the light of duty or whatever. But still, I feel like he would know. I, that sounds, I, somehow like, I went dirty with a flashing his badge around. I don't know. <laughs> I, just I, was I was just saying, I thought that just the way he was talking, like he was just sort of, you know. Okay, but watching it right there, you I still think, think that? I no, I still don't get that impression. But I think it's totally interesting that you do. <laughs> just I, because I swear we have very different people, brains. What people think, yeah, when they're watching something, they think about. I just thought he was just sort of acting out a little bit about what he was saying. He like, did it twice, though. He looked quietly, over at him to make he sure he just, wasn't listening, and then he he it, lowered his voice, and then he he he. Made sure he wasn't listening again, you know, further into the conversation. Hmm. But if he really didn't want to know, I think he would have just made the call somewhere else. Well, but what he said wasn't anything that was incriminating. You know, he just lowered his voice, like, because he didn't want him to hear the official or the official stuff. I'm going to hold on this one. You guys aren't talking me out of this one like you tried on that, on the triumvirate. I'm not trying. It's not happening, ladies. No, I know. No, and you, no, totally. I'm saying you have your interpretation. That's totally fine. I'm not trying to change your opinion. I'm just not changing mine on it. I just want there to be one person in their mutual lives that knows everything about them. You know, like, I want to be honest with one, one freaking person. I want one person to know that they're both agents, they're partners, and they're freaking married. Like, I don't, I honestly don't think you have this. I don't think you're going to have that. Barney. I gotta have it for my sanity to get through the rest of this godforsaken season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. I vote Barney. All right. Barney. 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 <laughs> Not that I wouldn't want somebody to know. I'm just saying I don't think it's I the evidence to me points otherwise. Listen, in all honesty, Jen and I combined have seen this episode maybe four to six times. Yeah. I think I've seen yeah. it four to six times in the last uh, you know, two years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so you probably have more of a leg up on the subtle nuances and stuff. But for the season four, yeah, like people it's, who don't it's watch, not a like, super like, you know. uh, super duper favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It used to be. Well, he's gonna find out. Barney does, you know, because he yes. flashes Yep. Eventually, for sure. Um, but, but you would have thought they would maybe had a conversation after, like, hey, me. Nudge, nudge, you're an agent. <laughs> but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. He he never saying. he never comes out and says it to any it, it, you know like to Lee or anything in the script or even in the show the film version he doesn't say oh you're an agent can't you help my friend when it was just the three of them there he doesn't he didn't say that he says I, I told him you're a filmmaker because he's an agent but he's trying to be on the like. He's trying to be subtle about it. But yeah, why? It's just the three of them. They don't, he doesn't have to be this. subtle. I don't know if I have any basis for this thought. This is just what's happening. The fan fiction I'm co-writing in my head. So <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just the script. Okay, we'll move on. I'm filling in the gaps with my own thoughts here. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, can, I can understand that. I've done that a million yeah. times. When somebody doesn't finish a story, I finish it in my head. <laughs> So yeah. that I can move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Gus knows that he's an agent. I just. No. No, definitely. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah, Gus oh, so you believe me on that one? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all in the I just feel like when they're all three together, they're not going to say anything like it because Gus doesn't know. So, right. But yeah. 
it was the three of them without Gus and nobody said anything <laughs> when it was the three of them and they all knew suppose according to you guys when Amanda and uh, when Amanda Barney and Lee were together in the script they didn't oh, nobody the nobody said anything I thought you were talking about the there was actual- the no, again, this is me. Wow, I keep um, uh, inferring the detail from that one little section where he's like, "I told him that you were in the film, um, and he bought it or whatever." I can't remember. No, he doesn't say that. You see, you're inf- you're putting in words that aren't there. He says, "I told him you were uh, that you make films." Yeah, and that. so hopefully that's official enough that he'll he'll listen to you. Yeah, that right. How so? so- <laughs> In me, in my mind, we already rehashed this. I don't want to bring it up. I know, but I, I just, I, I, I think you make a big leap. Yes, I'm connecting it. But yeah. yeah, you're inferring a lot of things that aren't there, though. Yeah, I'm seeing what I want to see. Yeah. I fully admit that. Okay. Absolutely, like no, no doubt. Okay. But in in my mind, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> the Barney knows. Damn so it. it's kind of <laughs> like the tables are turned back to you guys are me and I'm you with the triumvirate. Oh God! Don't rehash. Kids, almost eight o'clock. My heart still hurts from that. It still hurts. (laughs) (laughs) And that was way more important than this. Lee hangs up with Billy and Francine, and Barney's telling him that why Gus got involved in this. He just got the the um, the bug a few years ago, and you know he's trying to he's trying to figure out. He doesn't. He he knows something's wrong with this gold doubloon stuff but he doesn't know exactly what it is yet and lee's saying yeah well people don't shoot at you because you've got a bug he goes well gus has it in his head that no two-bit treasure hunter like brockett could possibly find la bodega so he's been causing brockett lots of problems and he goes let's go he goes where he goes i can either sit here and go crazy barney or i can do something which I totally get this part that he's a man of action. I get it that he wants to go and do something, but go to the friggin' hospital and check on your wife. My God, especially even if he's not like you could go, Oh, well, she's, just, she's unconscious. She wouldn't know, but Dottie's there. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly, you know, or she that. will be he, there he soon. Someone should be there. Yeah. And someone should be him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even if Dottie's there, they should both be there. Yes. You should, they should be there to support and- each other. You know damn well that the uh, we know if the tables were reversed, Amanda would not oh, leave. Exactly, she wouldn't. Nope, she wouldn't. You're right. Except it's supposed to be fairly obvious, I guess, eventually. But Dottie doesn't really know the f- full extent of their relationship, so if right. he is there all the time and totally swooning over. Then she's definitely gonna. Know well, she already knows. She, 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 she was she couldn't after all of this, but even so, I can see how he wouldn't want to be overly. But in Do You Take the Spy, she was already saying, oh, where did you say he was? Where did you say no, Mr. Stetson was going? So she already knows, just like Billy and Francine know. Nobody, They're not fooling goes, anybody. It goes back to just tell people. Just yes. Tell your mom. Tell your boss. Get the, uh, like, mutual benefits going. Like, yeah. hello, people. Like, hello, you guys are together people. all the time. You're yes. together at work. Mm-hmm. And when you're not at work, you're at home at one of each other's yes. places. If anybody's yes. following you, they're going to see you together and they're going to know. So yes. who are you hiding this from? Here. It's just right. so stupid. Yeah. Lee and Barney take off and they're going over to Gus's place. And Lee, of course, has to drive. <laughs> Probably Barney can't drive. Probably Barney, Barney drives like an old man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So they're over at uh, Gus's place and the parrots, while the parrot's there, the parrot doesn't say much. <laughs> he's not, he's not an integral part of this at all. No. Gus and Lee finally get formally introduced. Cause I'm sure at the shooting, they really didn't have time to say hi to each other or anything. And uh, he's like, I was really sorry to hear about your wife. He goes, hell, I'm just, he goes, I'm just about past being sorry and getting into mad. And so he, Barney says, Lee can help. He wants to like, he wants to figure this all out and see why Amanda was shot. Like there's gotta be some reason to it. Right. Cause it's just not, it's just not random. And uh, Gus tells him, sure, but not here. I think we could all use a drink. And then Lee looks at him like, oh, man. And the bird never says anything to him. So he doesn't get to tell him to shut up. <laughs> They're having what's supposed to look like beer, but it looks too thin to be beer. So, And I love Barney. Barney's so cute. He says, put it on my father's tab <laughs> to about Gus. That was cute. <laughs> that was, you know, you need, when, especially when you have these really ultra serious ones, you need to have a little bit of a uh, little levity to lighten things up a little bit. Yeah. Now Gus is explaining to him um, research that he has on the bodega is back at his, his cabin. And he goes, and you think Brockett has found the bodega? He goes, so far Brockett's brought up doubloons and ballast stones. What are ballast stones? Do you guys know? Isn't that what, what weighs down the ship? Like or like, it's weighted. It weights it. Okay. Well, where would they have gotten those from the bot from the ship that sunk? Right. They kind of of put it in the bottom in different parts to like so that when it's it's out at sea, it's more stable. Right. But where did they find the ballast stones to? Because they're they're obviously fake because they never found the bodega, right? Well, that's he's he's diving around some wreck. There must be something out there, but maybe there's. They put them in to look at, make it more authentic, or maybe there was a wreck that they were suspicious of. I don't yeah. know. So Gus's problem is he's like, where's the bodega's cannons? Where's the bell she was carrying for the mission at San Carlos? Besides, bodega was a supply ship. She wouldn't have treasure gallon. Trust me. The gold that Brockett found did not come from the bodega. He goes, hey, I had a piece of it right in my hand today. Somebody didn't like that. And believe me, that coin could have told me a lot. So as usual, there's always a bad guy listening in. This, this is why you should have private conversations in private and not in the public place. I know. <laughs> there's I always someone there listening. <laughs> and he goes off and, and uh, narks on him. So he's telling Lee that the gold, the other gold doubloons are all locked up at the bank. He goes, oh, I saw pictures in the papers, but you couldn't tell the depth of the die marks or the details or nothing. If Gus could get another one that he could really inspect, he might accept it for real and come down off his high horse. He goes, and then he goes, of course, how we do that. So here's something for your corner on the, on the whole, you know, does Barney know? He says, now, if somehow we could figure out a way to get him in there to see a coin, you know, kind of like asking Lee to figure out a way to get in there. Mm-hmm. He goes, I don't know, Lee. I might, he goes, I might think of something. And then he just smiles. He goes, I might. I like seeing the wedding ring on him. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the only yeah. time we get to see it besides uh, the last episode when he, she put it on him. But uh, so the ship is the Valero four big ship. And then there's a little narc. I mean, the guy that was in the bar <laughs> and he's telling him all that he overheard. He said if he could find the right papers in his cabin, that one dude smokes a lot. <laughs> sure does. It's like a chain smoker. He goes, you told me you had everything figured out to the last detail. 
What if he does have something to figure it out? He goes, well, if he does, he won't have it for long. Norton Scott sitting there like that. He looks, it kind of makes him look feminine. I don't know why. With his arm, his arms just kind of across him like that. And he's just kind of like, I don't know. It just looks effeminate to me. I don't know why. That rat nest he lives in is a regular fire trap. Everybody knows that, right? And then he looks over at his buddy, Tommy. And then Tommy looks like he just is about to eat a big old dessert, man. He was like super excited. Someone's a pyromaniac. <laughs> so now we have uh, Lee pretending to be a uh, IRS agent uh, and coming in to inspect the gold doubloons. At first, I was thinking he was going to steal one. And I thought, there's no way they're going to, you know, just let him walk out of there with one of them, right? But then you realize, oh, he just needs an imprint. So he just makes a distraction and, you know, presses it down and, and gets it. One thing in the script I wanted to point out, it was kind of a cute little moment. Lee and Amanda's hotel balcony. Lee and Amanda are hand in hand in mid-discussion looking out at the ocean. Amanda says, come on, it's not like you're going to rob the bank. And Lee says, I don't relish the idea of getting arrested on my honeymoon. Amanda says, is this the same Lee Stetson who's always bragging about borrowing the <laughs> Russian sterling out of the, the bank de Paris? I'll order you a drink at the pool and you'll be back before the ice melts. Lee says, why are you suddenly pushing for this? Barney's my friend. And Amanda says, because even you can see how worried he is about his friend. Come on. This is a little sleepy bank in a little sleepy town. You'll think of a good way. And Lee says, well, doing it is no problem. I can think of 10 ways. I've got some phony ID with me. And off, off her look, he says, you never know. <laughs> and then Amanda says, then it's a snap. It's settled. You might be saving Gus a lot of trouble. It's worth it, isn't it? And then they cut to the small bank where he's wearing his glasses and making himself look uh, quite studious. He looks cute. He does look cute. I like cute. this little I, disguise. I thought he looks so, so cute. <laughs> okay, girl. I think he okay. looks really cute. I like him with the glasses. Pretty smart. Lee goes in uh, pretending to be an IRS agent that needs to ins- just to, to see the, the coins. Then he uses his uh, charms to get her to let him hold the tray. Something to tell the kids. And then right. he accidentally when he hands it off to her he drops it and they go scattering all over the place and then as she's trying to gather everything it kind of reminds me of the first time when amanda puts the orange in the little crate and then they all go flying and as the guy's picking him up she goes and runs off it's kind of like that he gets to get the imprint of the coin and that's all he needs it's so I, I don't like it when he's pretending like this because he's just so cheesy. You know, he's like, oh, my, you know, and you're like, that's not him. <laughs> right. You just see right through it. But she seems pretty knowledgeable on it. But you would think she would know the that, as we find out in a little bit, that there was no gold printed in Lima that year because of a fire. So it's kind of interesting that she wouldn't know that being a student of all this, you know? Yeah, I was like, I was thinking a little bit like maybe she maybe she knew. But when she mentioned the comment, like maybe you'll find the Liberty Bell or whatever it is or whatever the bell, the bell yeah, it was the later. Bell. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. this, this bitch doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> no so you thought, OK, on. so you thought she there was a chance that she might be in on it? Yeah. Oh, was, OK. Like, I like, never would have thought of that. Gentry, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like, yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but you would think she would know that, you know, I mean, that's their livelihood, right? 
Yep, yep, I mean, yep. Gus, the old man, the researcher, you know, did research and he knew. Mm-hmm. You would think yeah, she would know. And you would think right. she would check all that stuff out, especially with, you know, it's like anytime a new project comes, you're going to learn all you can about that information mm-hmm. so you can be an expert on it, you know? Right. And this is a Absolutely. once in a lifetime thing that they find gold from the 1800s, you know, or 1700s. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he gets his imprint and... Gusson is is over the moon about it because now he knows he can he can really put this together and figure it out. The girl's pretty, mm-hmm. the blonde. Super pretty. Yeah, he's so charming. He's like, I wonder. I, I know this is going to sound silly, but I wonder if I might hold that tray of gold doubloons. You know, something to tell the children. Sure, of course. Ah, uh, oh yeah, feel the weight. Don't worry about it. I'll get them. No, just... I can't believe I just... I just did this. Okay, I can get them. How could I be so clumsy? I mean, I... Oh, I wanted to see... Does he have his wedding ring on? Yeah, he does. Okay. I like that he's wearing it this whole time. Yep, he's not using his uh, masculine wiles anymore to... Mm -hmm. He's just being charming, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's trying to be sexy or anything. Yes, Which is nice. You would think he would get caught on camera taking an imprint of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You would think they would have cameras back there. I mean, back mm-hmm. in the 80s, they probably weren't great cameras, but... Yeah, you'd certainly see someone sticking a coin in some imprint stuff. Yeah. I love how she doesn't even t- waste time. She's like, just shoves them all back in there, you know, doesn't even line them up or anything. She's like, okay. <laughs> He's just like... You made enough off. of a mess. Time to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now Tommy's at the cabin and the he doesn't even take the bird out, like... He just let the bird go. The bird was going to just suck up all that smoke and die. That's so mean. What a jerk. Well, yeah. I mean, it is a pet, right? Someone does love it. Someone somewhere. Yeah. So. I thought the same thing. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I forgot you hate birds. Now that then the parrot could be out beside the cabin safe. Yeah. Like, just all you have to do is just take him out. You don't have to be a jerk, you know? It's a good thing that parrot didn't talk because he would have just oh, yeah. screaming about it. Yeah, that's true. The bird's just like, uh, buddy? Hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, so as they're pulling up, uh, they notice the smoke coming from his cabin and uh, and they all rush out to, to get it um, contained. And then we, we see uh, fake Lee go up. <laughs> Gus try, just runs right in and gets his bird, which is the best pet owner. That's what you do. <laughs> yep. And then uh, a fake Lee goes in with a hose. He really goes right in, too. He like, does. Unnecessary risks. For what reason? Yes. I don't know. So the fire truck leaves and, uh, oh, that's such a mess afterwards. All that water and everything. And he goes, how does it look? He goes, like I'm on the right track. Sure you are. That's why Brockett tried to plug you. Now, look, guys, this looks like a pattern. I know that. But the firemen seem to think that the fire started here on the desk with that old lamp. He goes, that... That's peculiar, seeing as how I only use that when the electricity's out. That hasn't happened for months. In the script, it said it hasn't happened since 1982. Oh, that's specific. Yeah, very specific. He goes, uh, Barney says, we're flushing those birds from their roofs, Lee. He goes, maybe, Barney, maybe. What's the damage for your research? He goes, they burned me out good, but most of what I had on paper, I still got up here. Oh, now I got this. And so they have the the imprint from the coin so lee says he wants to go check out uh brockett's boat and he wants to take his tanks he's like sure you want to go now he goes no it's too late security will be heavy at night 
I'll do it tomorrow morning when they when they're away and I'm supposed to be at the hospital with my wife you know yeah mm-hmm. sorry I'm a little bitter on this one so now um there he's back at the hospital and he's just sitting with Amanda um looking forlorn she's in the oxygen tank have you guys ever had to be in an oxygen tank like that I think we talked about it once before but I had to I had uh pneumonia and I was in the hospital when I was a little kid Christmas day how fun is that? Oh, yeah. Man. I got That's home brutal. and my siblings had gotten into all my presents and I had a dentist. It was a dentist kit for Play-Doh and you would make molars and stuff with Play-Doh, you know, the molds and everything. And all yeah. I got home after being in the hospital for a few days, I get home and all of it's all the Play-Doh's all mushed together in different colors and they ruined it. Oh, rats. Yeah. They should not have done that. Should I know that was mean, wasn't it? Yes. Those were my presents. And I was sick. Yeah, after being in the hospital, too. I know. Exactly. Rude. I know. I didn't like how they used the, like, whatever the tent thing is, though, because I don't think they would have used it that time. They it used them back in the 80s. Instead of having, like, the mask thing, they just had it where they would put them under a tent like that. So I think they would, but I think they're also using it to diffuse that it's not really Amanda there. Yeah, no, I I agree. I just, I don't know. I always bothered me. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't just use like a, what is it, a nasal? Yeah, the, uh, the, the can- canalizer thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so theme of this episode, being annoyed, <laughs> things they could have done differently. Uh, things they should have done but didn't. Yeah. In the script, the bird, Gus is going to stay with Barney, but Barney, Kondo won't let them have pets so Lee and Amanda have to t- take Jean Labique <laughs> with them to their hotel. Because, you know, a hotel would let you have one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the bird stays with Lee and Amanda and drives them batty. <laughs> yep. I literally wrote, oh, my God, this dang bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they say, Barney says, me and Gus are setting up temporary headquarters at my place. Only problem is, I can't have pets at the condo. We're going to have to find it someplace else for poor old Jean Labique. Gus turns to Lee. Lee turns to the parrot. Back to the men. Wait a minute. I'm on my honeymoon, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut to the next scene. I'm trying to infuse these cute little scenes that we get because there's so few and far between in the actual episode. So Lee and Amanda are back at their hotel. And Amanda's like, I know you'd never let Barney down. We start with Brockett, huh? He's our best lead. He goes, our only lead. He could be an incredible wild goose. And Amanda says, we've chosen a few in our time. I'd like to have a look at that salvage boat. And Lee says, me too. He checks his watch. Security's probably heaviest at night. Let's pay them a visit at breakfast. And then Amanda says, good idea. But if we're getting up early, shouldn't we hit the sack early? And Lee says, absolutely. Like right now. They slide under the sheets. Lee snaps off the light. In the darkness, Jean Labique chatters in his cage. Ahoy, the ship! Pieces of eight! The parrot squawks as a pillow flies across the room and hits his cage. Then he lapses into sullen silence. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, you're trying to be on your honeymoon and the bird's, like, repeating everything you say? (laughs) That would be really bad. Back to this film version uh, Lee's sitting um, vigil next to her bed and then uh, he looks so sad yes. and then the nurse says five more minutes she needs a rest kind of thing and then Dottie comes in and she's just like 
can't believe it. She's got a red nail polish on, though. She sure does. And she says, oh, my God. And then Lee realizes she's there and, and gets up and uh, takes her out of the room. He tells her she's stable, but in, in critical condition. All we can do is wait and apparently go out and, you know, try and sell the case. And then Dottie's being trying to be positive. She's saying she'll be fine. She's going to be fine. Lee, I've never seen her give up on anything that was important. And she's she's not going to give up now. My God, what happened? Who did this? Why? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Of course it doesn't. This is where he should have. I, I think he should have told her, hey, we're married. We eloped. And she's a spy, you know, like yeah, if there's ever a time, this is the time to tell her. Yeah. It, if anything, yeah, it would distract would. her, you know? Yeah. Just my two cents. So he's like, come on, I'll tell you what I know. So now Lee is down at the marina trying to get up. Uh, him and Barney are down there trying to, uh, you know, figure things out at, about uh, the ship. And he's in, is that a dry suit? I think that's a wetsuit. That's a wetsuit with the hat and everything? Yeah. Oh, okay. It looks different. It's kind of hard to tell. Dry suits are usually like have more air like looking in them instead of the neoprene. Mm. But I don't know. It, the material looks the different. Wetsuits have the hoods too, so. Okay. Because you want to keep your head warm. Right. That's where all your heat escapes. His, uh, the material and everything looks different than a regular wetsuit. It looks like wetsuit to me, but. Yeah. So in the in the original script, Amanda's the one taking the pictures and and has the the earpiece in her and talk in the microphone talking to Lee, um, but obviously she's got other things on her mind right now. So she's uh, at the hospital, but uh, Barney's there taking pictures and uh, Lee's getting on the ship. The guard's still on the bow. Lee, he tells him, "All right, I'm going to, into the cabin." He looks cute in that little swim little uh, suit. <laughs> Sure does. Uh oh. Firestarter Tommy just caught Barney. Uh oh. It takes the cam uh camera from him. In the script, it's not a camera; it's binoculars that uh, Amanda has that that get ripped off of her. And she tells Lee, like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't even see him come up," kind of thing. And then Lee calls to her, and he's like, "Amanda," and then doesn't hear anything so he knows something's up so lee's walking around the cabin trying to find things that uh wetsuit's giving him fits i think he keeps pulling on it like (laughs) off his neck and everything and then he calls to barney and uh he's not hearing him that should be your signal to get the hell out and so now tommy's on the ship and so is now the guards onto him too Ooh, he just got bopped in the head with that door (laughs) lee must have known he was there He's going into the drink. Oh, and so is Lee now. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's not good. So Lee got bopped in the head. And now, so Brockett's there and he looks over. He He's he's familiar with Barney and Gus, obviously. Uh, and he's like, you look familiar. And, and uh, he's like, seen you before. And he goes, maybe in this morning's paper. I got caught in your crossfire yesterday. Thought I'd check you out. He goes, into my crossfire. He goes, that's what people think. He goes, I got strict security. I might have thrown a guy off a dock, but never shot anybody. He goes, yeah, well, Gus says you're lying about the gold. My friend, if you're lying about this, I'm going to come up after you myself. He goes, hey, I'm sorry about the woman. Sorry about the trouble. Just protecting what's mine. That's all. He goes, get him off the boat. And then he goes, I'll take my camera. Yeah, badass Barney. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they let him go, you know? Yeah. I guess, obviously, if Scott was there, he would have uh, 
it would have been a different story. You see, do you see Lee give that guy who bopped him in the head, <laughs> give him the evil eye at like no. 20, look at like 23, right when they're leaving the ship, that one dude that punched him in the nose as he's getting off at like 23, 230304. Look at him, look at each other. They're like, yeah, you son of a bitch hit me in the face. Do you see it? Oh, yeah. No, I see it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's really funny. He gives him the stare down for real. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> so they're, they're walking off, but then Scott comes in and uh, he says that that old Gus seems to be the root of all our troubles. I better take care of him once and for all. He goes, why not send Tommy? He goes, he messed up once already. This time it will be done right. And then Barney's saying what Amanda was supposed to say is that guy was on top of him before, you know, he even knew uh, what was happening. He goes, forget about it, Barney, huh? He goes, point is, Brockett knows we're digging around. We're going to have to be a lot more careful. I'll drop you off and pick up Gus. He goes, all right. So they get in the car and then Lee heads over to drop him off and then pick up Gus. But during this time, Gus is looking through his notes and he finally figures it out and has a piece of paper in his hand and he has the, the imprint coin and he sees Norton Scott coming in. So he takes the paper and he hides it in his bodega model ship there, which is smart because he knows he can't outsmart this guy. Well, well, you're here. Good. You spare me the weight. I recognize you. You're one of Brockett's men. Tell your boss he couldn't stop me, even though he tried to burn me out. Tell him he's a fraud and I can prove that. The gold you brought up didn't come from the bodega. Is that a fact? Norton says. It's too bad you won't be able to share it with anyone else. And then he grabs his uh, spear gun and, and misses the guy. And then he pulls out his gun. Ugh, that's weird. They had a, a stuntman there instead of the, the actor. And then he like takes his rag and then sprays something. And then he puts the chloroform on it. And it's on there for like two seconds. Yeah. Down for that so big old guy. Right? Yeah, exactly. So he's knocked out. And then somehow that guy who's like half the size of the of Gus <laughs> uh, sets gets him out there and, and sets up. Uh, oh, I see what he did. So then he somehow gets him into a wetsuit. Okay, that's ridiculous. He gets him into a wetsuit. Do you know how hard it is to get a person, get yourself into a wetsuit? And then you're going to put that dude in a wetsuit yourself? Oh my God. You'd be exhausted by the end. Yeah. Lee gets there and and finds uh, finds him, makes it look like he had bad air, but Lee doesn't believe it because he's not, uh, he's he's a professional, you know, he's he's an old hat at at doing this. you know, at diving and stuff. So he knows better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, come on, his house burned. Then he has, you know, then this happens. Come on. It's too much. Pick it's one. too much. And uh, CO, I mean, I, somebody I used to work with, uh, this happened to them. Uh, they got CO poisoning and it, oh, no. they could have, they almost died. It's serious yeah. stuff, you know, it's serious yeah. stuff. So as they're loading him up into the ambulance, uh, Gus is mumbling something and Lee gets down there to listen. And he says, Bodega de Barco. And he goes, Bodega? And he goes, right, Gus. He goes, Bodega de Barco. He goes, okay, let's go. And then they, they take him off. They're taking you uh, via chopper, even though they're in an ambulance. 
So that doesn't make sense. Lee's telling the Waterhouse, the the sheriff there, that uh, he's not buying this, that he's not buying that it, he, it was bad air. He thinks it was set up that, to look like that. He goes, check this out. Bad air? He goes, it's full of CO. Now, Gus wouldn't be that careless. He goes, meaning what? He goes, isn't it obvious by now to you? Brock takes a shot at him. I mean, how dumb is a sheriff? Meaning what? Like, hello? Right. <laughs> His place just got caught on fire. Now mm-hmm. he's found almost dead. He wouldn't be that careless. He goes, meaning what? Isn't it obvious by now to you? Brock takes a shot at him because he discovered a doubloon. He burns his papers. Gus doesn't stop, so he tries again. He goes, no, it's not obvious to me. And why do you start accusing in public? That is my job. <laughs> like, there's only room for one of us, buddy. Uh, he goes, better start doing your job or I'll start doing it for you. Ooh. Damn. He looks like a cop from, like, Reno 911. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, funny. Seriously, I know I know it from somewhere. Not him specifically, but that look. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that mustache is pretty bad. <laughs> well, at least Waterhouse is, you know, he's not taking it too personally. He's like, look, if somebody I love is in the hospital and close to death, which I don't think you needed to say that, dude, that doesn't help matters. Yeah. He's like, I'd want simple answers too. But the facts just don't add up to anything yet. When the shooting occurred, Brockett was with, with 10 witnesses at the half tank bar. Then this happened. He was with you. He's got plenty of hard boys aboard that will do any kind of dirty work to get an extra piece of that gold. He goes, we're checking them out. But if I were you, I'd let the law take care of justice and I'd take care of the woman I loved. Yeah, um, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> uh-uh. Waterhouse would be there with his woman. <laughs> Hell yeah. And he's a police officer, sheriff, whatever. Yep. So he's back at the hospital. As he's coming off the elevator, you hear code blue and then room 346D. Yeah, you're, you just, that just makes your stomach drop. Mm-hmm. And then you see Dottie and she's saying it's Amanda. She's coding, you know, that's, that's not good. And then they're right in the doorway and they're sitting there watching. And uh, the doctor goes over. The doctor would never have done that. I'm sorry. He would have been trying to save Amanda's life. He would not have been involved in any of that. He goes, but I do like how he says it. He's like, uh, you can't help save save her, but you can help me lose her, you know, kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. get out of here. You're not helping matters. You're only making it worse. He really doesn't like the patient's family to be involved. No, he does not. <laughs> They have to jumpstart her heart. And then some time has elapsed and he comes out and goes into the waiting area and they look very scared. Almost lost her, but she didn't give up. Not for a second. And then there's a lot of relief. She's holding on. So we're back to where we started with a long way to go. The young woman is a fighter. He goes, it's good. His ring's off his hand right now. Did you guys notice oh, that? Gosh. Mm-hmm. <sighs> course he'd remember that little tiny detail right yep and now it's back on he's at the computer and now it's back on Hmm. man he just was pull it on pull it off pull it pull it off (laughs) good way to lose it yep yep so they must have gotten uh gus's computer all set up over at um barney's up condo and they're going through everything and they just can't figure out they they can't find what gus was looking for to to nail 
this case open this case up and so they're trying to figure it out and they're going through everything oh jen do you remember those little disc holders do you see it on the desk there in the corner the little floppy disk container. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah. those? Those floppy disks disks were the worst. <laughs> I only used they, the they so I only used the hard the hard uh three and a half by five ones. I mostly use those, but I my dad convinced somebody to get a Commodore sixty four. My brother had one of those. <laughs> yes. That sucker only took like the big floppy. Yeah, ones. I took like, those oh, God, uh five terrible. and a half inch ones, I think. And when it's saving on there, just like... Yes, you thought it was going to explode. It was so loud. Oh, that's funny. So they're kind of going through. They're getting frustrated. And then he's like, I don't know how this is going to help us. And he said, the, what's that? And he goes, Gus created a computer model of the ship, just like his wooden model. It's perfect down to the last detail. So they finally realize that he goes, hold on, hold on. It's labeled the Bodega de Barco. He goes, that's what he said over and over this morning. It's the cargo hold. And then Lee finally figures it out that he was trying to get him to go look at his ship model and find the little piece of paper that he had there. And that's what they do. They run over to his place and grab it out of there and then they see that it's spanish and that they need to get it translated but unfortunately before they can get out of there mr waterhouse the sheriff comes by and catches them and this is where lee's got to tell them tell waterhouse and barney that um (laughs) just teasing uh that uh that he's a an agent so he pulls out his reluctantly pulls out his badge and and shows him and then he's like oh well that's another horse of a different color kind of thing you know he's like when i saw the light on i had a feeling i'd find you two snooping around and then he's like can i show you something in my pocket (laughs) he's like "Uh uh-huh and then he's like oh there seems to be a minor understanding here but i'm not sure by who whom but to your guys's point barney doesn't look super surprised by the badge so there's one point for you guys you're so um, diplomatic about this. No, I'm being I'm being serious. I wasn't being funny. I was just I, I'm being serious. It, you are being diplomatic about it. I'm not being funny. Okay. Either. Oh, okay. You're, okay. You're giving it to both sides. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to be fair. Like I I can see both, but I definitely am staying with my my uh, thought. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're back at the bank where Lee. Uh, see, did you see those crates? So those big crates, those were the things that were underneath the, that small case of the gold in the, Mm -hmm. in the vault. So that's all the gold was in that, those crates. So that's how much gold there is. That one was just a sampling of it. And there's Mr. Uh, Smokey the Bandit's taking his 80th smoke break for, uh, for the day. (laughs) You have to wonder if that's part of the character, if he truly was like that desperate for it. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder. Goodness, he's really into it, if that's the case. Yeah. So he's come to pick up his booty. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the bank, now everything's signed off and they have it. And so he gets in and Scott is in the passenger side and he's like, okay, now we're off to the airport. And he's like, no, we have one more thing. We have to go back to the ship. And he's like, what? What for? He goes, "Just, just do it. Just clean up some loose ends. Okay, dude, seriously? All the baddies do this. Whoever's the most bad is going to do this to you. Yep. They never learn. Did I mention your name's Loose End? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is kind of funny. So they're at the sheriff's office and they're using the facsimile machine, (laughs) which I have to think was pretty new back then, right? 
I would think so. Yeah. They are waiting for the information to come back uh, from the agency. And they're arguing, you know, saying he wouldn't stick just any piece of paper in it. This has to be some clue. And the printout comes and Lee takes it and we get to actually see a shot of it. And if you guys read this, if you pause it, it's got there. It's got all of his lines on here. It's ridiculous. It's like, why would you show us this? It's from a log book kept by the harbor master at La Paz dated 1769. There was an error in the, in the manifest of the supply ship La Bodega. Manifest states cargo of gold doubloons was minted in Mexico City. Impossible. A disastrous fire befell the mint three months ago. He didn't find any treasure. It's counterfeit. There weren't any gold coins minted in Mexico City in 1769. The harbor master found the error, but nobody except Gus knew about it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so the agency doesn't know this stuff, you know, and then they repeat, Lee repeats it. And, and so does Barney. It's so funny. It's like, why, why would you show us that? That's so, uh, it's even labeled the translation yeah. of Wadega Manifesto. And it just reads off yeah. like that. It's like, that can't be. <laughs> it's so funny. Impossible. A disastrous fire befell the mint three months ago. So, in the script, it was a little bit different. It was Amanda's reading. She says, this says there was an error in the manifest of the treasure ship. And it was Nustra Sonora de, de Bodega. Manifest states cargo of gold doubloons was minted in Lima. This is impossible, of course, because of the disastrous fire, which befell the mint three months ago. So the harbor master inspected the cargo and found that all the gold was minted in Mexico City. And then all of Brockett's gold has had Lima mint marks on it. So Gus was right. Brockett didn't find the bodega's treasure. He didn't find any treasure. Those doubloons can't be authentic because they weren't any, there weren't any gold coins minted in Peru in seven, 1673. And nobody knows that except Gus, not even the state's archaeologist, Amanda says. And Lee says, that's right. This logbook's been buried in the archives for 300 years. Brockett's plan was perfect. But if the coins are counterfeit, where did Brockett get all the gold? That's what I'd like to know, Lee says. Let's go ask him. And not you, Barney. Things could get dangerous. DC is going to wire us current status of any gold missing in this quantity. And Amanda says, it can't be very a very long list. And Lee says uh, to Barney, wait for it and then pray, uh, stay put or go home. You hear? And he says, I hear, I hear. I'm not deaf yet. Then the film version goes mostly similar. Obviously, Amanda's lines are eaten up by the others. Um, and then as Lee's coming aboard, Norton is uh, locking Brockett into the ship and um, setting a, a bomb to go off. So it's going to blow up. And then he takes off. He gets away, doesn't want to deal with Lee, I guess, which is smart. Scott winds up getting Lee and Tommy takes Lee's gun away from him. And then he locks Brockett and Lee down in the hole and sets the bomb and then takes off with the gold. Isn't that nice? So they set it for 10 minutes and then they're setting uh, so that gas is going to uh, fill it, the ship. And then that thing's going to spark in 10 minutes and blow the whole place up. So they take off and then Tommy goes to leave, but Norton Scott decides to kill him too, or knock him upside the head too. And, uh, Nice guy we're dealing with here. 
he he can't split it with anybody. He's got to take it all up for himself. Yeah. So they're they're trying to get out and they can't uh they can't break open uh the break the door open. Brock is having second thoughts on uh on uh being partners with Scott. <laughs> too little, too late, buddy. And then he tells Lee about the Harper's Ferry heist. Half the agency in the in the country are looking for him. He goes, I'm not shutting up for him anymore. He came to me with this doubloon scam six months ago. That's before he lifted the gold from the Federal Reserve. He goes, he planned it all out. I should have known as soon as that he shot that king woman, how cold-blooded he was. And then he realizes, like, you kill, he's the one who shot Amanda? And he's like, hey, nothing is going to stop him from fencing that gold, man. He goes, don't bet on it. So then they, they start making noise to try and get someone's attention. But then they, they smell the gas and realize like any spark's going to make that stuff go and of course barney doesn't listen any better than amanda does <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh he comes in and rescues them i love it he goes who's out there and he goes who the hell do you think it is <laughs> <laughs> come on barney move faster <laughs> there's so little um. time They've got less than three minutes, Barney. Come on. So Barney's moving as slow as he can. There's only a minute left now. <laughs> He's like, hello? And the screaming continues. Hello, who is it? He goes, who do you think? He goes, Barney? He's like, it's rigged to blow. He's like, get as far away from here as you can. Keep an eye on him. That other dude's down there with his, uh... oh, he found him. Okay, don't worry about him. Get that thing. There's only 30 seconds left. Yeah. He stuffs both guns in his pocket. He can't get it to stop. But he just has to throw it overboard into the water. And it didn't even explode. Well, it's not an explosion. It's just a, a thing that, that the wires, it would just start the, it would, it would be a spark. And that's all it needed because of all that gas was in there. Got it. Yeah. So then the sheriff comes and takes uh, Brockett and Tommy away. And he's on the, Lee gets on the payphone uh, to Billy and to fill uh, him and Francine in and explain what, what they've found so far. But they need to find, uh, they still need to find uh, Scott. He set up shop out here using counterfeited doubloons to launder the gold. It is pretty, pretty smart, but I mean, they obviously didn't think it all the way through, but. And then uh, Lee says that Brock is spilling everything he knows. But Scott was smart enough to leave out some details. Yes, like the names of the dummy corporations that he has as having the profits uh, funneled through. Yeah, but he's got to make contact with precious coin brokers first to turn those doubloons into cash. It'll take time to track all the precious metal and coin dealers on the West Coast. He goes, our only chance is to find him first. Maybe we should catch a plane. There's no time for that, he says. We'll we'll do our best from here. She goes, we? He goes, it's funny, isn't it? Always, It's always been Amanda and me. He goes, well, she's got enough to do right now. Besides, I've got an old friend to use as backup. And then we see Barney. The script part there was kind of cute. It's like pretty similar, but Francine says, who's we? And then in the script, Lee glances at Amanda. Lee says, uh, can't hear you too well. This patch isn't holding up. I'll be in touch. Scarecrow out. Yeah, I thought that was so cute. <laughs> yeah. That was cute. I love it. Waterhouse, in the script, Waterhouse says, just say the word and my entire force is at your disposal, Agent Stetson. Both cars. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Lee and Amanda and Barney go and try and find uh, Scott. And uh, in the script, Amanda calls it in and says, Sheriff, we've got Scott at Las Palmas Beach Marine Equipment. Can you patch me through to the state police helicopter? And then 
uh, he goes, we're working on it, Mrs. Agent Stetson. <laughs> There's the sound of bullets striking the wagon. Barney looks over at Amanda and says, I don't think our your rental car insurance is going to cover this. And then Scott pins Lee down with a burst of gunfire, then vaults into the cab of the fish truck and starts it up. He whips it around and guns past the wagon, firing at Lee as he passes. Lee drives over the wagon just in time. Lee regains his footing and fires after the departing truck. Amanda calls to Lee. Lee, I've got the state police. They'll patch us through to their chopper. Lee says, give them a description of the truck and tell them we're in pursuit. Lee comes around and gets into the car. We're on to you now, Mr. Uh, What's this fellow's name? And Amanda says, Scott. And Barney says, look out, Mr. Scott, here we come. And then the wagon sprays gravel as it roars away. At the wheel of the truck, Scott speeds along. With the advantage of a faster vehicle and less weight, Lee and Amanda gain on Scott. Amanda says on the CB, traveling north on Dune Hill Road, we just passed a boatyard and a hamburger stand. The chopper pilot voiceover filtered says, we copy, ma'am. Approaching your position from the northeast. Expect a surprise. Chopper one out. And Barney says, a surprise? What's that supposed to mean? And then Scott swings the truck back and forth across the road, trying to cut Lee off. There's a hill ahead. Scott grinds the gears and accelerates forward. Scott's face mirrors his shock at what he sees as the truck crests the hill. Hovering in the middle of the road is a state police helicopter. Barney gives a joyful whoop. Look out, kids. The Air Force is here. Lee looks less enthusiastic as he works to slow the wagon. Scott's got nowhere to go and a lot of momentum built up. He stands on the brakes. They lock up and the truck flips onto its side and skids across the road. As it does, the back flies open and the crates of coins break open, spilling a golden carpet onto the road. Lee pulls up and gets out of the car. Amanda's still on the CB. Amanda into the CB says, that was some surprise, Chopper One. Thanks for your help. Lee has pulled Scott from the truck cab. He waves thanks to the chopper, which pulls up and starts to fly away. Amanda and Barney meet him at the rear of the truck, and together they look at the coins scattered all over the road. Lee says, anybody got a broom? <laughs> and then they, and then it fades out, ending the act. That was kind of fun. It's, yeah. it's definitely um, not as gruesome as what actually happens when Lee finally catches up with scott he beats the living crap out of that guy he just sure beats does. him with all his passion that he can i mean he is just yeah man he's every frustration he's ever had he is taken out Whew. on scott it's like and, and this one's for amanda and this one's for shooting amanda you know yeah wow I mean, they both kind of go at it. Like, Scott, he's pretty ineffectual, but, I mean, they're selling it. They're yeah, selling for sure. know, the violence. For sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. They just happen to find him. Uh, and he's like, wait till I get in there. But, yeah, once he gets in there and, you know, they're shooting and all that stuff. But once it's hand-to-hand, Lee just beats the crap out of that guy. Yep. They're in, like, a garage with a bunch of vehicles just on top of each other. He shoots at a barrel and, and blows it up. And then he gets in a car and drives towards him. And then uh, Scott's run out of bullets. No worries though. Lee's going to kick your ass now. <laughs> and he jumps some, and then he just starts beating the piss and vinegar out of him. He just sets his face up every time for another punch. <laughs> yep, exactly. He just throws him on the hood of a car twice, <laughs> throws him on the ground. He got, he got one punch in on Lee. Lee's just like, 
you're he goes you're dead then he flips him over and then gets on top of him and just starts beating him oh left then a right then a left then a right then barney comes in and says lee lee <laughs> lee stop it stop it he goes come on stop it listen to me waterhouse was heard from the hospital he goes what how was amanda he goes he didn't say just that they want you there right away he goes you watch him barney you hear me you watch him he wants to just kill that guy and I'm sorry, but his fists would have been bloody as hell. And they're not yeah. at all. So then now we're at the hospital and he comes rushing in. I want to see if he's got his ring on. Nope, he doesn't. Well, he sure is good at taking that on and off. And if his hands were beat to hell too, there's no way he could have gotten it off. That's true. You're right, Lex. So he comes up and he's trying to get into Amanda's room and, and Dr. Neely stopped him. And then as he gets goes to get in... Dottie comes bursting out and she gives Neely a hug and she says, she's going to be all right. I told you so. And then Lee slips in. She goes, oh, Lee, you want to see her? She goes, I want to tell you something. After a few weeks, I'll have her up and going. And then he sneaks in there. It's sweet. It's so sad. And she stirs a little bit and he's there when she opens her eyes. Aww. Hi. Oh, hi. What happened? when you get better, okay? Mm. Did she get the number of that truck? You bet I did. No honeymoon tonight, pal. No shucks. I'm going to go to sleep where you sit with me for a minute. I love you, Mrs. Stetson. Mm. Aww. Yeah. No honeymoon tonight. <laughs> Damn it. No no honeymoon for any of us. <laughs> First it's the maid and now it's, it's the bullet. Damn it. Yeah. Okay, so the script ends a little differently obviously uh barney gus lee and amanda come out of barney's condo and cross to the wagon it's packed with their luggage lee says to gus you sure you're not overdoing it by leaving the hospital so soon gus says the doc says i'm just fine besides i have work to do now that i've proven brockett didn't find the bodega i've got to keep looking for her and i'll find her too lee says i don't doubt that for a minute and barney says hmm <laughs> You should see his room already. Papers, maps. Gus says, I don't have to live here. You know, I just as soon pitch a tent on the on the beach. And Amanda says, thank you two can stop arguing long enough to say goodbye. Barney hugs Amanda. Barney says, I wish you didn't have to leave so soon. And Amanda says, so do we. But we've got to be back at work on Monday. Lee says, whoa, we nearly forgot something. He goes to the rear of the wagon and gets Jean Lebeek's cage. Gus takes it from him happily. <laughs> Jean Lebeek, you old sea dog, what's the good word? And Jean Lebeek says, how about a kiss, gorgeous? <laughs> <laughs> Lee and Amanda exchange an embarrassed look. Gus doesn't know quite what to say. Barney nudges him. Barney says, give Amanda her present, Gus. Okay, this I had a problem with too, Lexi. Did you? I liked it. I wrote cute on it. I know, but... <laughs> 
I, I, I'm thinking the legality issue of it, but I know, Gus I know says, thinking, I just hmm? like the sentimentality of it. And he goes, oh, right. He fishes in his pocket and comes up with a small jewelry box, which he hands to Amanda. Gus says, this is from the two of us. Amanda opens the box and takes out a necklace with one of the fake doubloons mounted as a pendant. Amanda says, Barney. Barney says, well, I guess one of those coins must have just slipped into my pocket somehow. And Lee says, uh-huh. And Gus says, oh, the government will never miss it. Besides, you earned it. Barney says, we want you to have it as a reminder of your vacation in Las Palmas Beach. Lee and Amanda exchange a look. Barney, Gus, I think it's safe to say this is one vacation we'll never forget. Barney and Gus beam off Lee and Amanda smiles fade out. The end. I thought it was cute. I know it was real bad, and in real life, he wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, but that's like that's enough. evidence. It's like a shiny piece of jewelry. Oh, right, for sure. But one, it's a heavy piece of gold that you're not going to want on your chest. Two, it's evidence. Well, I I will I will raise you, Kara Knightley, in fights of Caribbean. Uh, <laughs> okay, that was a bomb ass piece of jewelry, and I would rock the hell out of that thing. <laughs> well, but the my big point is, it's evidence. <laughs> And it's not meaningful. It's not meaningful either. If it was like a real one or something, no, but it's like no, it, it, it's gold. It's real gold. It's I worth know, a lot of money. I know, a couple other people. I know, but it, <laughs> and a couple gold, people you'd have one for every few people. I don't know. I would melt it down too. <laughs> That's for all my pain and suffering, brother man. Yeah, but you take if you're if you're an agent, you took an oath. You're not gonna you're not gonna screw it up just for a piece of gold, you know, for That's thirty pieces of silver, as, as it were, me. right? What'd you say? That's why I'd melt that sucker down and say peace. No, but no a thing, right? That's so funny. No. Yeah, they wouldn't get away with that, and they would never have accepted it. They yeah, would have that that, that one I didn't care for, but I I like the bird saying, "How about a uh, how about a kiss, gorgeous?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm, they're lucky that's all he said. Right, exactly. <laughs> they were on their honeymoon for crying out loud. <laughs> like, oh Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So we have selected three videos that highlight the episode "Mission of Gold," and all of these videos are primarily based on scenes from this episode. The first video is based on the song And When She Danced by David Foster and Maylin Martin. And the video was created by SMK Jenny Lee. And this video includes flashbacks of Amanda and Lee's relationship during his angst um, for Mission of Gold. The next song is called Agape by Barristan and the video was created by Yvonne Brenner. And this has a lot of scenes from this episode from Lee's perspective. And the song is really sweet. The video's from Lee's perspective, and the song is actually, I've never heard it before, but it's very lovely, and some of the words are very poignant for this, these scenes, saying things like, I don't know who I am without you, so it's a very sweet one. The third song is To Love Somebody by Michael Bolton, and the video is created by Tessa Kendall McKenzie, and another great one that really highlights all the emotion that comes with, or could have come with this episode. These videos can be found on YouTube. We provide links on our website at mkcpodcast.com in the show notes. It's once again time for Dottie to grace us with her recommendations for fanfic that tie into the episode. Her first recommendation is Mission of Gold, written by Bridget Frawley, Scarecrow 9, who 
was a friend to a lot of uh, the original SMK fans. She unfortunately passed away a few years ago. The story was written in April of 1999 and has about 800 words. A little heart to heart between Lee and Barney. Dottie's second recommendation is The Thin Red Line, written by Vicky Three. The story was written in November 2001 and has about 2,700 words. Lee and Amanda have to deal with the aftermath of her shooting. We hope you'll enjoy these recommendations. As always, we'll provide links on our website in the show notes, but you can also check them out on fanfic.net. Thank you everyone for joining us as we chatted about what was and what could have been in the episode Mission of Gold. We will be discussing One Flew East with a very special guest. And our next podcast, if you haven't already, join our NKT Facebook group for more detailed discussions and episode information. And visit our website, Twitter, and Facebook pages at NKC Podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.